and I am the one of the hosts of Table Talks. And then we got a couple of guest hosts here. We got Shema Ghalib in the building. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Big Sis in the building as well. Um, shout out to Big Sis. She's here as well. So uh, thank you again, Shema, for being here. Um, one of the reasons why you weren't here yesterday, or last week, Tuesday, that is, is because um, Allah Hama, your uncle, passed away. And, you know, our father, for those of you that don't know, our father uh, passed away over the summer as well. Um, and so it kind of got us thinking because we were talking about um, Abdul Malik Al Sanabani last week as well, and it kind of had us thinking Light Hema as well, by the way, and it had us thinking that okay, why don't we have a conversation about grief? Because um, I feel like this is one of those topics that people kind of don't want to discuss too much about, and for some reason they don't want to get into details about it. Um, and so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we ended up getting, uh, Shema ended up getting Dr. Nicole Monteiro on the show as well. And uh, so she basically, we have her on the television, and I know you guys are seeing us, our audacity right now, but we have her right here on the television screen. She kind of pre-recorded her answers because she's a professor and she introduces herself as well. Um, and so... We are looking forward to her answers. We are looking forward to also hearing you guys. And for those of you that are going to be watching, if you have any comments, feel free to ask. Feel free to uh, comment because we are here. And we want to talk about it. We want to talk about it. And if it starts to get emotional, we even got tissues. You want to grab those <laughs> tissues? Just in case. Uh, we might get Listen, a little emotional today. I got my oils. She got her tissue box. We're ready for this one. I want to put a disclaimer out there. If my voice starts to sh- uh, change or I start to tear up, my street cred is still phenomenal. <laughs> it does not go down from here. Let's just say that. No, I'm gonna do my absolute best. No, no, no. Yeah, I got my I got my armor on. We're ready. Yeah. So. All right. So, uh, by the way, I'm happy uh, that we are all here. The team is here right now, and uh, we're gonna get it started. If that's okay, we can kind of get it rolling. Uh, and my wife is laughing, so she's chiming in. So it looks like we are good on YouTube. Just want to make sure we're looking good over there. And uh, we can get the ball rolling on the road. So like I said, um, this is Dr. Nicole Montiero. She is a psychologist. And uh, what is your focus on again? I remember she had it on her Instagram title. Trauma. Trauma. She's okay. a trauma expert. Trauma expert. So she's going to kind of introduce herself a little bit more. And then we're going to kind of go from there. Uh, and the first question that we asked is what kinds of grief do people deal with? She kind of gets into detail about that. So we're going to hear uh, Dr. Montero, uh, Montiero speak for a little bit. And then we're going to go from there. All right. Assalamu alaikum. Greetings, everybody. I'm Dr. Nicole Montero, and I am a licensed psychologist and professor and a coach to women. And I'm so happy that I was invited to this podcast to talk to you a little bit about grief. I think this is such an important topic for us to talk about because of Um, It's a part of life, it's a part of the human experience, but also because of the times that we're in, there seems to be so much unheaval from war and um, natural disasters to sort of this thing that we're all living in now, which is COVID-19. So grief is definitely a timely topic, and it's something that even if it's talked about um, from a religious perspective, we don't always talk about it enough um, just in general conversation so that we're all familiar with what grief might look like for different people and how to deal with it. We're usually pretty um, unaware of exactly what to do. And at some point, all of us will experience grief in some form or another. So I'm gonna go through and address some of the questions that were asked of me. 
So one is what kinds of grief do people deal with? And that's really important. So why don't we kind of, first of all, define what is grief? Mm -hmm. Grief is, um, can be defined as this experience of deep sorrow, um, you know, oftentimes in response to the death of someone, you know, someone close to you, a loved one, someone that mm -hmm. whose loss you're really feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but we can grieve different things. And when we think about grieving, it's usually a process. Some people might call it bereavement, but it's this idea is that it's something that's ongoing. It's not necessarily a one and done. Like, you know, a lot of times we think about the event, whatever the loss was or whoever we lost. And from there, you know, it happens, the grief happens and then it's over. But it's really a process and how long and what it looks like really varies from person to person. So, you know, there's grief in response to a loved one. And even within that, there's so many different ways. Sometimes in our field, we call, we have something that we call complicated grief. And that's where, um, and there's grief in response to trauma. But, you know, grief, complicated grief could be where maybe um, there were some unresolved things in your relationship with that person or in the circumstances of the loss that really um, make it hard for you to to kind of um, get back to yourself after the loss. And you could feel really, really depressed for some time. Um, you might feel like you don't you know, wanna go on. You could think about not wanting to be here. Um, and this is not to categorize some grief as like you're doing good at grief and you're doing bad at grief. It's just to say that certain situations can make the grieving process a little bit more um, complicated and difficult for some people. Um, sometimes if it's the loss of someone where the loss is expected, not to say that that doesn't still hurt, but it might have given you time to prepare or to, um, you know, to, to feel like you have, you've gotten your mind, you've been able to process it. But when it's a traumatic experience, it happens suddenly, no warning, or the situation, the circumstances surrounding it are, um, you know, traumatic. Maybe it was a violent death or one where, um, you, the person who's still surviving, witnessed it, you know, in circumstances of war. We're hearing a lot about forced migration where people are leaving their countries at the last minute because of the threat of violence or war. That, um, you know, th that you could lose loved ones in that process. And if you experienced it or witnessed it, it's also a traumatic experience for you. Um, you could also be grieving. Loss, you know, doesn't just mean the loss of a person. So you could be experiencing grief in, in response to many different losses. During COVID, a lot of people talked about experiencing losses that they weren't aware were going to affect them like this. Loss of employment, loss of a way of life, being used to seeing, you know, socializing or seeing people that they're close to. Loss of money, loss of homes, loss of jobs, right? Um, sometimes there's something that we call ambiguous loss where you're not, it's not something you could put your hands on and other people don't necessarily recognize it as a loss and you could be grieving that loss and not really know how to put words into it, right? So there are all kinds of different uh, experiences of grief. Grief when you lose someone, when you lose a way of life, when you lose your livelihood um, and it could be complicated depending on um, you know, your relationship with the person or the thing that you lost, if there were any untied, you know, things that were not resolved. Um, there have been, you know, I've been doing some reading and there was a case where um, someone, a, a wife 
lost her husband and around the time that she was planning the funeral found out that he was actively having an affair so she had a lot of complicated feelings around that whole situation and things that she was no longer able to to process or talk to him about okay um so the next question all right so uh that was dr Monsiero's answer to the first question of what kinds of grief do people deal with is there something that you want to add to it shay and then i'm gonna ask you the same question abir I just want to say that Dr. Montiero made a very big, important point that I just want to take the time to shed a little bit of light on in my perspective on grief. And that's just the personal grief that comes with just living life with our own personal tests and whatnot. It doesn't necessarily have to be a death. It doesn't have to be something really big or traumatic that's like bigger, you know. But everybody goes through pain, everybody goes through a little hardship in their life, and because of that, there's a grieving process that needs to be dealt with. There's a grieving process that needs to be even acknowledged. And through everything, I feel like once we realize what words represent what feelings, like once we have that, that, that fundamental development, I feel like that's when we can start actually doing stuff. And she just made a great point. It doesn't need to be something that's as big as like death or something like grief is multi-leveled it's it's trauma it's it's death it's losing somebody it's breaking up with somebody it's there's so many ailments to this word grief and she did a really great job about talking about the different ailments and i just want to say that i grieve through my health through my personal health and that's how i grieve and that's how i learned that lesson of grieving and how to be great grateful and how to deal with my own things and we'll, we'll get to we'll get into that but I just want to take that moment and say that personally, my my struggles came from within, and that's how I was able to give out. So that was, I love that she mentioned that. You want to add on anything to that? Um, I just want to put an emphasis on what she said with um, it being a process, that grieving being a process. And um, honestly, I think it's even a cycle, mm -hmm. that there's times where you're good, and there's times when you're, when you're not good. And... It's not going to be, there's not a time limit where you'll feel better. And you maybe not, you might not feel better. It might be something that lingers with you for the the rest of your life. And that's okay because everyone grieves differently. So I love that she mentioned that yeah. as well. She hit actually she's, every. You know, Dr. Montero is a freaking rock star. She's, she's a I wish I met mashallah. her in person. She's a beast, mashallah. All right. Well, um. Now we can uh, move on to number two because she kind of kind of covered everything about what kind of topics uh, or what kind of kinds of grief do people deal with. So uh, I bet I'm gonna let you start off on this one. So how do you deal with grief? All right, that is that is a big question because everybody's a little different. So how do you deal with grief? Okay, so I am not saying the way that I deal with grief is at all the right way because you know I'm human and. Um, I tend to want to be alone. Like in the beginning, um, you know, I want to be alone. I really don't want someone to tell me, hey, I know what you're going through because, no, you don't know what I'm going through. Um, I don't want people to tell me that everything is going to be okay because they can't tell me that. Like they can't guarantee, me, guarantee that for me that everything is going to be okay. Um, but when my dad, uh, passed away and, you know, there's lots of different griefs, but for me, that was the biggest, um, that was, um, the biggest thing for me to go through. So, uh, in the beginning, you know, I was in the denial stage, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't want to believe it. 
in my mind, I'm like, he's going to come home. He's going to come home from the hospital. He always goes to the hospital. It's a routine, you know, and um, he'll be he'll be home. And even when, like, he was getting worse and he was getting worse, I still didn't want to believe that, you know, he was going to pass away. So then you start to get angry. You get angry at the doctors, the nurses, even, like, little things at home. I started to have a little attitude with everybody, and it's just... It's my way to cope, and, and I, I hate that about myself. I get very, um, you know, bossy and very, like, what do you guys, you know, why are you doing that? And Irritable. Yeah, like, it's just, I just don't, I don't know, I'm just not that, like, whatever. That's that's how I get. And then I start, you know, trying to tell the story. You know what I'm saying? I find myself trying to explain, you know, how he, how he passed away. And, and I'm not explaining it because I want that person to know, you know. I'm explaining it so I can understand why he passed away. Mm -hmm. So I can, you know, get a better idea in my head. Okay, like, this is this is why. Because he was having this and this and this. And they tried this and this and this. And, and, and I'm literally bargaining with myself, like, telling myself this is why it happened. And it's crazy because it doesn't really matter, like, what happened because if Allah wanted to take him he was going to take him regardless of what we did or what happened or whatever if it was his time it was his time and then you go through depression you know so that's the me being alone part um people would come over and I'm like a zombie like I'm not really talkative I'm like kind of zoning out um but there's some people that when they would come over and I knew that they went through what I went through that like stuck out because I know it would be a person that lost their parent or their dad or their whatever. And then they would give me certain words and I'm just like, and it like would hit me. You know what I'm saying? Because I know that they went through what I went through. And a lot of, a lot of the time during that time, I would go onto YouTube and watch lectures. Because I want to go, I want to know like what my dad was going through. Like how, what was happening in the Qabr. What was happening afterwards. So I'm like, you know, finding the knowledge, looking up different lectures. And the one thing that stood out was uh, a lecture with Amr Suleiman. And I wrote this down because I didn't want to get any of the names wrong. But he explained about the time where the Sahaba Abdullah ibn Abbas, anhu, when his father passed away. And he said a normal person, you know, came to um, the Aza and uh, told him, okay, it's better for you the reward of your patience during this time of your father's death. And Allah is better for your dad during this time. And that hit me because you go through so much patience during the time of a loss. It's crazy the amount of patience that you go through with everything that's happening. And no one knows. Like, no, no one knows. And when you have that in your head, like, oh, I'm going to get all of this reward. My, and my dad's in a better place, especially if your father was righteous and did what's right. And alhamdulillah, like, no, Allah ya'lam, you know. But alhamdulillah, from what I know and from how I see my dad at the um, end of his life, it was a relief to understand that, okay, he's in a better place you know, inshallah, you know, Rabbi irhama, and, you know, he's in a better place, better than anything that we could have did for him in this world. And by me going through the patience, I'm getting rewarded. And at this point, you get into the, get into the mindset of what can I do to help my dad? Me being um, in bed or not talking to anyone and being depressed and not moving on with my life, that's not going to help him. But me making dua, giving sadaqah, um, you know, and, and the immense amount of friends that gave sadaqah, and I appreciate you for what you did, honestly. Um, and, and everybody else that 
uh, gave back in, in, in my dad's name, it helped me overcome the grief. Yeah. So it's, so basically being depressed, educating myself and ho having hope. That's that's my kind of my cycle in that way. Now, can I give you a hug, by the way, just to let you know, you know, your brothers. Yeah, we don't we don't do this, by the way. Yeah. We really don't. But so. That's one way we should start learning how to deal with grief, you know. Uh, and uh, Shay, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it on to you. Um, same question. That was a great answer, by the way, Ibir. Um, yeah. Very good answer. And how do you uh, deal with grief, Shayman? Okay, I got a little bit emotional because I really did a great job and I felt every single word that you said. But um, I want to talk about it. I'm getting so hot right now. But I want to talk about it on a different perspective by somebody that I feel like I give grief. You know what I mean? Like, I come from a spot in my life where it's so hard because I know the things that I'm going through and how it's affecting the people that are around me. And that's a different type of dealing with things that, like, nobody really talks about. Like, we, we understand that things happen in the life that, like, we have to deal with because it's something that we didn't control. But then, like, turn it around to the person that can't control but is active. Like, what I have makes people sad, especially if you're, you know, like, my parents, my family, whatever. So it's so hard. It's so hard being the person that actively is giving that grief to people. And for me, that's that's something that I have to deal with. Like, I'm trying so hard right now to, like, stay strong. But when you deal with that and you're actively trying to find your hope and your gratification and your, your, your sense of just, like, stability, and then you're actively the person that's, like, instilling that, it's so hard. That balance is so, so, so difficult. And that's why, for me, I learned not to speak about what I'm going through anymore. There are certain doctor's appointments that I won't take anybody with me. So now I'm going through stuff alone. So now I have to deal with my issues alone because I don't want to. I don't want to give anybody more, more, more smoke than I'm already dealing with, and that's a form of more grief on myself. So now I'm dealing with so many different ailments of this word, and it's like, haram. Yeah. Like, well, you know, like I'm, I'm actively the person that's like, yo, listen. So that's why I, how I deal with it. If you can't laugh about yourself, man. You're gonna take everything. You can't. You're not gonna go anywhere with life. And I'll just tell you guys a story that's just like it's a personal. Like I said, I'm not gonna talk about anything that I don't know. I'll talk about exactly what I do know. But I was in class, right? I'm a nursing student, and I mean, you would think that we're all nursing students. That they should know the deal. I was giving a presentation. I was on the board. Um, I have multiple sclerosis, so one of the things that I deal with is my legs go numb. So you know that feeling when your foot goes to sleep? So I get that feeling from my toes to my belly button, both legs, all the time, okay? So I have to learn. I have to, I have to learn how to deal with that, okay? Learn with somebody touching my leg, like, hey, Shay, look what's going on. I'm not freaking out. Being able to walk, move, and just be like, okay, like, am I, like, is my feet really on the ground? And they are. Okay, so I'm on the board doing my thing, whatever, and all of a sudden I hear, whoa. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? I looked down, and I had an accident on myself. Oh, hold on. You know, I, I couldn't feel my legs. I didn't know what to do, and I just had an accident on myself. And I'm looking down, and I was like, whoa, well, she just decided to do her thing. Oh, my God. You have to laugh it off. 
Yeah. You know, you have to laugh it off. If you don't know that that little second, if I did, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so sorry. What would have happened afterwards? I would have probably been in tears. I'd have probably been in the bathroom trying to compose myself, get myself together, but no. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have probably never came back to class. I, and that's what happens. Yeah. Girls, I know people, they're like, oh my God, I feel sick. Oh, sorry. They'll be like, oh my God, I feel sick. And they'll be like, oh, let me use it. I have to go to the bathroom for to, to throw up or whatever. And then they go to the bathroom and you never see them again. And me, here I am, m- like, messing my mouth after and I'm like what's going on like so how I deal with these problems is I honestly honestly look at the people that have it worse yeah you know I look at that's the people that are in worse situations than I am and because that's how you find your your comfort you I find com- it's messed up I don't care you know I go through my own my, I'm, I'm messed up I'm crazy I'm a little crazy I'll admit it but how I feel a little bit better knowing that there's people in worse situation that I am that I need to be grateful for whatever I'm going through and that's and that's that and yeah. I feel like Allah gives you what you can handle and he knows that you're a strong person no I I, I look at myself I'm like what the heck like how did I know to have just like extra clothes in my car like these little things that are you're not thinking about like it's already laid out for me and i'm like like that just what you know and then you, you tell yourself like you could feel sorry for yourself and nobody's gonna look at you sideways if you feel sorry for yourself everyone's like oh yeah haram miskina but yeah. why do you want that? I yeah, that label. I, I I still don't understand how people would be okay with that label. Yeah. Like no. We'll talk about you know. that because Miskina. Oh. Yeah, I, I hate that label. Talk about it. Yeah, so uh, I'm just gonna say two things. Uh, number one, you know, I, I guess I'm gonna come from a guy's perspective when it comes to grief. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's important maybe to share this, and I I would speak maybe for. I mean, I guess I'm not gonna be speaking for all men because everybody's different. But you know the stereotype of men is basically that we uh, tend to grief on our grief on our own, um, and you know some people try to act like that it doesn't happen the emotional part of it and stuff like that. Well, I'm here to tell you straight up that that's not true. Um, like my sister Abid was saying, Lord, when my dad passed away, it was a shock. I mean, he was getting older and he had his pre-existing conditions and stuff. But at the same time, you know it was you know it was a big one in our family, uh, not just for us, for a lot of people. And so, you know, we, we went through our stages, like my sister was saying, you know, it's that stage of shock, and then it's that stage of irritability, like you don't want to be bothered by nobody, and mm-hmm. everybody's trying to call you and talk to you, and, you know, and, send and we, ap- we appreciate Yeah, we appreciate it, that. But it's like, at that moment, I feel like we just didn't have enough time to be together as a family. Yeah. We had to get up and you had to, you know, show out. And and, and I remember the the night my dad passed away, my mom was worried about getting tempted and getting water and getting... And it's like, why do we have to worry about that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I'm but, so sorry. Uh, no. but like, and and I quick like when you guys are dealing with that, right? And then like from like because I just dealt with it with my uncle, and yeah. I mean like. To be honest with you, I don't really have a feeling towards it. But like when when like I felt like some people were sending condolences just because they felt like they had to almost and like like that in itself is irritating. Like like I I respect it. I love it. Thank you so much. But even just dealing with the saying I mean thanks. I mean thanks. Yeah, I mean thanks. Yeah. I mean thanks. Yeah. Like even that was irritating to me. But I know it's it's a custom you have to do it. It's it's part of the it's part of the, the like but like even that that's just a lot. Like you know what I mean? That's like that's so distracting. So I get it. So when you guys yeah. are like haram so let them do their thing because yeah. you don't know what to do at that point. Yeah. And, I, and and even from the other person's perspective, the one that wants to say their condolences and stuff, I get it. I get that you're like awkward. Like, do I? Do I not? Yeah. And everybody's different. And everyone's different. 
and it's just you know it, it's a part of it's a part of grief it's yeah. just a, it's it the is. whole process it's the process yeah and that was a problem with me is that i was never really good at how to tell people that kind of conversation because you don't really know what to say because we never really experienced it yeah, yeah. We, so, we've had death in our yeah, family had, that was you know yeah. traumatizing but it's not the same when it's like your your dad yeah i feel like i i my Parents, our cousin siblings, uh, passed away and that was that was traumatizing because yeah. she was so young and you know and yeah, then like our auntie uh him how she passed away and that was but like even that even though like our dad Lighthama, like he had the sicknesses and we, we knew the day was coming right it's i don't care how old you are i don't care if you're married you're not married you're you're old you're going when your father passes away it's like you're a child again i don't know i felt i felt very um like my backbone was gone mm-hmm. like the person that i was you know uh, you know i would flex about my dad i'm not gonna lie i would use him as a flex like if i did something good yeah and he's been sad ali you know mm-hmm. that's been sad ali right there you know mm-hmm. and like i just it was so devastating it's still to this day like it's not i don't know it's just not the same and people need to understand that like Leave, let people grieve the way they want to grieve. Let people be the way they want to be. And even when she mentioned the guilt of moving on, I still feel guilty for moving on. I'm sorry. Like, that's why when I get invited to go places, I don't go. I just can't. Not yet. That's just me. Mm-hmm. You know? And leave me alone. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. No, I'll cut you off. No, definitely. No, I was just going to say, like, just, you know, I, I think there's men out there that just don't talk about it. Uh, that's what I think it is. People like to put up a front, but every man out there, I think, grieves uh, in their own way. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying that you have to cry when you grieve. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I know there's some people that don't. I ain't gonna lie to you. Tears do shed off my face. So I was gonna I say, you, you cry. Yeah, I do. I do. That's why I'm a. I'm a but, a, like, a, you guys, there's so much. Okay, first of all, if you wanna look at it from the science perspective, we release toxins when we cry. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. You so feel one. great after the, you cry. Number so. two, it's a ni'mam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why we cry. Yeah. We don't know why we project these tears. We don't know why we feel good after we cry. We're releasing stuff that should not be in our bodies through our adrenal glands and all of that good stuff, and they're coming out. So when people have this notion like, oh, I don't cry, I'm like, how much toxins are in your body, bro? That's yeah. why you're the way you are. Yeah. Like, straight up. People that like, say that usually up They're all like, yeah. like, I don't do this. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm like, I think you go to the corner, honey. Like, let's get some time. Let's, you want me to? I'm not going to lie, man. It takes a lot for me to cry. Me too. Me too. But when I do, like, yeah. when I do, though. I hate it. Though. I yeah. want to. Sometimes I'm like, khalini, like, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's a little different. Me, I don't like, I don't even like to think. Wallah, I'm telling you guys, I can't even sit here and tell you guys the things that I was like, like dealt with. I felt like Frankenstein, like literally on the table, weird. But when you're in situations like that and all you have are tears. You know what I mean? When all you have to release some type of you can't you can't hit something. You're restrained. I'm crazy. So I was restrained. I was not allowed to have anybody next to me. So now you're dealing with somebody that can't talk to anybody, somebody that can't lift anything. So what are you doing? I can't talk. I can't, nothing. Cry it out. Yeah. You know that's all you can do it sometimes. And again, it's part of the process. Nobody needs to see it. Nobody. You don't need to tell nobody. You, nobody needs to see it. Nobody needs to hear it. Just do it. Just, just get it out. Get it oh, out. Believe me, there was when when you're alone and it, it's that nasty cry too. Yeah, yeah. That, that you know, 
But if, like you said, it feels good. Yeah. It really does. Uh, two things I want to say, uh, just off of what you're saying, I, and what was most impactful moments for me and what made me like emotional was sharing that moment with people that you know, uh, Baba love. Yes, like, I was gonna. I, you yes. know what I'm saying. So like that was those were the moments that like, you know, helped the grieving process. Yes. Believe it or not, it helped it out yes. because. Mm-hmm. You knew that person was sincere. And then the second thing I was going to ask you, you would hug them a little bit tighter when, yeah, it's, it's so, yeah, subhanAllah. We didn't talk about this. Yeah. So what I was going to ask you, Shay, is, uh, you mentioned that you feeling like that you're the person that's giving Mm -hmm. grief to people. And now that you go to the doctors and stuff like that, do you find that easier on you or harder on yourself? It's definitely a different hat to wear, 100%. It's like, it's so, it's so hard. Well, Ahmed, it's so, so hard because I have to be the person that says the bad news, right? So, like, I'm, I'm here and I'm like, okay, guys, so this is what we're dealing with. And then I'm running, running, running to the other side. But, 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 but wait, but wait, but wait. Don't freak out. Don't freak out because I'm here. But low-key, I'm scared as hell. Yeah. I shouldn't have to play both roles. I shouldn't have to be the person that has to give the news because you guys don't come with me to my appointments. So I have to tell you guys, obviously, because I'm having surgery in a month and we need to know. And then now you're azzying or now you're now you're upset because I'm I'm going through something. So now I have to support you, but I'm scared. Like uh, the amount of fear that is in my body and my what I'm going through is just it's not it's hard. Yeah. It's so so you play this double role and it's like it's like well like that's why with my life I feel like I feel like I don't even have room anymore to like think about my own emotion when it comes to like actual pain. Because you're so worried about what you're giving to everybody. And now I realize, and that's another good point that's probably going to go back to that first second question, is I love, I realize that through all of the, the hardships that I've been through in my life, what brings me the most comfort is when I use my own hardships to help people. Okay, look it. Like with you guys. I, at that point in my life, Alhamdulillah, Allah Yirhama, Khali Muhammad, but he was the first death of my family. Like, this is the first one that, like, it, it stung. Like, like my cousins are Yatimin now. Like, you know, these are my sister. She's my sister. You know what I mean? And now, like, it's crazy to me. Like, this is her home. But, at the, like, and, and at that time, I was just like, okay, so this is, this is a huge one for us. But at the same time, I, I, I loved the fact that I brought comfort through helping people. Like, I don't, I don't know that pain. I don't know that pain of really losing somebody like how you guys lost your father. Because, alhamdulillah, like, my parents are sa'ayshin. You know what I mean? Allah I mean, ya Rab. But, like, but how did I know to give that type of love to you guys in the best way that I knew how? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't know death. I really, it's not my tea. It's not, it's not what I've been through. I, I do hardship. I do pain. Mm-hmm. But that sector of pain, I'm not really familiar with it. And I just got familiar with it, subhanAllah. Mm-hmm. But like, it's crazy because we, we were connected. And mm-hmm. I knew that the, the way that I was going to be able to serve your family and that means of hardship was in a way that was going to be better than me, you, your dad, your mom, everybody. Yeah. It was going to serve us, a per- somebody that's going to make all of us proud. And that was Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was pleased with my action for your dad, your action for accepting it on my behalf. Yeah. Like it all took a family effort. And yeah. you know, this mic is going to give me help. But yeah. it's, it, it's, we, it was a we family effort. We talk with our hands as Yemenis. Yeah, like, 100%. Like I have to put my hand right under my leg so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. But like I didn't know. And I was just like, you know what? If, if, if something happened to me, and again, this comes from being the griever, okay? This is, this is a different perspective. But I looked at it like, Shema, you're always giving hell to people. Straight up. I'm, I'm always the barrier of bad you know, news. I, I, I really wish that 
you didn't have to go through that because I can't even imagine not want like I, I I can I don't understand what you're going through but I can only imagine and but I do want you to really put yourself first in that situation and if you really needed them to come I really want you to you know um at, like just let them know so you know the, and and when you so that's where it's at right now in my yeah. life right now it's like it's like i said you're the barrier of bad news so it's like when do you want to give them the news because now i'm putting myself first i'm not not telling you yeah. no i'm telling you but it's like I, i'm sorry but it's it's bad news yeah you know and so like for here's a, here's a big one that's happening w- with me right now i mean my sister's getting married my sister's getting married very very soon and i have a surgery that i'm thinking about scheduling and i'm like crap i know i need to do this now the only break that i'm gonna have from school is the same time that my sister's getting married so I need to I can't do anything during that week it's my sister's wedding and then afterwards I have to go back to school so when am I going to schedule in the surgery when am I going to let my parents or the family know that hey something got to go because I have to do this thing you know who's who honestly looks bad the barrier of bad news you get what I mean so then I have to we're like okay it's my health that should be number one but because of the type of person I am you don't want to be the person that's saying hey yo hey sis like can we when's you're gonna be when's because I have I don't even want to have those conversations so here I am like okay so she said it's gonna be on this date okay so remember not to have it so so just that's stressful you know that's so much so much to deal with that's so much trauma so much trauma. So, like, I literally am a walking trauma ball. And I, and every day it grows more in a different perspective that's just so, so, like... Allah, Amish, inshallah. And I'll give you clarity so it's, and help it's, you it's, that. it's different. That's why when we were when you guys said um, we were going to talk about grief, I was like, man, I'm not even going to tell you guys what perspective I'm going to come from because I feel like I'm the person... I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a like, a walking, talking grief ball. Well, I really wish that you don't feel that and, way. And, yeah. and, and I speak for people that are even in yeah. worse conditions yeah. than I am. Like, yeah. like you know, people that are going through it. Well, we all feel this way. You know, it's crazy because I know it's nothing near what you're going through. But I can even imagine people that are going through, like, marital issues. Yes. That don't want to bring it up to their family. You know what I'm Every, saying? That's the thing, though. People think, oh, health, she only understands health. This one, no, no, no. Pain, pain is pain. Girlfriend, yeah. pain is pain. My pain, it just hit me through that yeah. ailment. And it's my lingo, so I can speak it better. But if you're going through marital problems and you connect with me because I'm going, uh, it's all pain. So and that's like why people are You don't want to tell your family because yeah. your family's going to get upset. And it's all great. It's, it's, it's a lot. And I just wish our families maybe could be a little bit more understanding that, you know, we all go through things and to be supportive instead of being the one like, oh, you're only thinking about yourself or yeah. oh, you're only, you know? Yeah. Debbie, de- de- or, I get a lot. I get like drama queen or I'll get like, oh, like here comes negative Nancy or, and I'm like, you guys, like, it's so sad. Like, haram. Like, you know, it's happening to me and I'm still walking. I'm still talking. I'm still doing what normal people do. I'm still going to school. I'm still like active in the community. I still do all of these different things and I can't even have the decent level of, I can't, I, I, I feel bad telling you something about what I'm going through. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a messed up world we live in. We kind of just, everybody wants to be in their own lane nowadays. You know, everybody wants to just keep moving forward and nobody wants to focus on something. If you don't take care of you, nobody will. Yeah, nobody else will. Um, That's just kind of how it works. And so that kind of leads to uh, our next question, and I'm going to let her uh, answer this one. And so basically the question is, how do you want people to support you when you are dealing with grief? I know we kind of touched on that, but we're going to hear what Dr. Montiero has to say with, you know, how... Do people want, you know, 
support while they're dealing with grief. The things that most people want is someone who has a level of um, understanding that this is a process. I can't emphasize enough how destructive it can be when we try to put people on a timeline mm -hmm. or when we don't allow people the opportunity to express what they're feeling. Um, sometimes people hold in their feelings because they don't want to bother anyone else. So if we could just be a listening ear, if we could be a presence that is not judgmental, doesn't always have to say something to make the person stop crying or feel better. Sometimes people want to express how they're feeling. They're not necessarily looking for you to fix it, but they're looking for you to be present and be there for them. And so that's what, you know, if my own experiences of grief, I know I lost my grandmother when I was a teenager and I was very close to her. And I remember I was crying and I didn't feel it was anything wrong with it. I was sad. And at the funeral, an older relative was like, oh, she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand. And I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. I do understand. I understand that she's not here anymore. And that's why I'm feeling sad. So, you know, one of the things we can do is not try not to use these these platitudes like, oh, everything happens for a reason. You'll get over it soon. You know, sometimes people oh, just want to feel comfortable yeah. enough with you that they can break down if they need to or they can share memories or thoughts that they have about their loved one. And that's that. They don't really necessarily need a lot from you outside of your presence, which can be very powerful. Okay? Um, number four. All right. We just wanted to make sure we talked about that. Uh, she moves on to number four next, but go ahead. My biggest one that I get all the time. Kurishimaktub. <laughs> that was a good one, but that was like that's probably top three. Okay. I mean, but that's a no, good one, though. no. This is no, where I want to start. I want to start punching because now you're gonna use the religion to belittle, and I don't like that. This is my thing. Um, uh, uh, say alhamdulillah. Say alhamdulillah, and then they'll talk like yes or kulishi maktub or another one that's a big one. What does it say? Um, what do they say? <laughs> Inshallah khair. Oh. Inshallah khair. Um, like, like those every like, hardship comes easy. Uh, so like okay, like I know these things. Yes. I know these things, and yes. sometimes that's ex that's what our tongue just automatically goes to because these are just like our our backups, right? Yeah. Like these I don't are think just we our, even realize realize what what we're doing to the person, yeah. and it's like okay, here we come, somebody. Walla walla walla. Guys, think about this. Think about this. Four o'clock in the morning. Hmm, let's say yeah, four o'clock. We'll just give it an even time. Four o'clock in the morning. Fecal position. That means head to my knees. Okay. Holding my stomach. The night before, I just watched a lecture that, subhanAllah, when you deal with stomach issues, you die shaheed. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm in fetal position saying, Allahumma tahrni, Allahumma tahrni, Allahumma tahrni, Allahumma tahrni. Like, God, take this pain that I'm doing and just cleanse me with it. Okay? That's what I'm saying. Then, I'm in a state where somebody's telling me, oh, say alhamdulillah, inshallah. Like, I'm already praising God for what I'm not going to say alhamdulillah. I'm going to say, God, help me. Don't tell me how to tell God. You can't tell me what to say. You can't tell me how I'm feeling for me to say to. No, 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 no. So when people use words like that, I, I'm the first one to say, no, you do not want to do that. Like if you want to be the person that says, inshallah, you better have something before or after to say. Yeah. Like do not just stop at inshallah, because inshallah, what? Inshallah, what? 
Inshallah, you get better, Shema. I know you're going through a hard time. You know, everything happens for a reason. Allah chose you to be a warrior, this, this, that, that. May Allah okay. your pain. Yes, I'll take it. Thank you so much. But when you tell me, Inshallah, khair, oh, God chose you, and you're just like kind of gazing it almost, and you're using the religion to belittle, I'm never talking to you about my problems ever, ever, ever again. And now I have this view towards you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Coming from somebody that's suffering, actively suffering. Like, I'm going to look at it. Like, and, and I mean, I'm not going to ever expose my judgment, but I'm going to keep that w within. Like, I'm going to know people's truth. SubhanAllah, when you go through stuff, and you guys can entail to this, but when you go through stuff, random people are hitting you up that you didn't even think that, and they're like, and you're like, wow. You and, know what? And they're really touching you. Like, Wallah, when I, Sada's, Sada's reaction for what I did with her dad, she was like, I couldn't even believe well, it. I couldn't believe it either, I, yeah. I, And I was just like, you know what? I was like, subhanAllah. Like, I, it, you know, people that really genuinely care about stuff, they're going to genuinely show you that they care. Yeah. Everybody else is a filter that you need to get through it. Get through that filter. And that's what I'm, I'm, that's it. So, like, it's sad. It's sad that we don't have support. It's sad that we don't have support on a family basis, on a communal basis, and on a basis that now people find comfort from a random person on TikTok off of a random daily reminder or off of something that they say, oh, you know what, girl, you matter, this, this. And, then, and it's like, that's where you're getting your confirmation. This is where you're getting it from. What about your next door neighbor? What about your coworker? What about people that you should be actually getting comfort from? Like, wallah, haram. And then it's like people that you guys know. Like, you guys know me. You know I'm suffering. Like, can you guys, like, imagine if I had somebody that was in my corner that was just saying, you know what, Shay? I see you, girl. I see what you're doing. Like, but no. It's expected. Now it became an expectation. So now, yes, you go through all of that stuff, but I expect you to be better than the rest. And it's like, all right. What are your thoughts on the situation? Uh, basically, how do you want people to support you and stuff like that? Some of the things that she mentioned, the doctor and Shema just mentioned as well. Um, uh, what she meant, she said it very well. But what the one thing that resonated with what she said was when people tell you stories. You know, I actually love that. I loved when people came to visit and they would say a story about my dad and like maybe from his younger years or things that I didn't even think that my dad um, even did. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like. Like, it just, it made me, I don't know, it was like a connection. It made me mm -hmm. feel better. So, um, I appreciated that. Um, just just giving me my space and not assuming, like, that I'm, like, not just telling me everything's going to be okay. Right. That's the thing that kind of got under my skin. But um, I also, like, people were, people were so kind. Like, there was, there were people that were very kind um, in so many ways. They brought food, you know, they came to visit. Like, I appreciated like all of it and then like the donations of the wells like that was beyond what we even expected you know what i'm saying right so um just yeah benefiting the person um well i'm just talking about death right now but there's like other losses or whatever but in the sense of death do whatever you can do to benefit the one that passed away we're gonna we're gonna cope and we're gonna you know figure this out we still have time and you know what was the one thing that another thing that was kind of very beneficial um, there was this um, female, I don't think she would want her name to be um, spoken, but she came and she did a, like a mahadara, like mm -hmm. a, you know, and she made... Speak it, say it in English for people um, that may not know. Like um, a lecture. A lecture. Yeah. And she made every single person in that room cry, not because of, of my dad passing away, but because of her using my father as an example mm -hmm. that we're going to be in the same spot and we need to look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that, like... 
was just so just I don't know it was it made me get goosebumps like I was crying everybody in the room was crying Mm -hmm. you know and stuff like that I think that's what we kind of need like that reminder that you know that this is this is what our plan this is what our purpose is you know you know know, sometimes like you don't okay because like you know you just said it like she used you as an example but well like I feel like in 2017 I lost I lost myself like I that part of me died like that part, that identity that I was carrying, normal Shema Adi, she, she died. She's no longer there. Now it's a new, per, it's a new, it's a new, it's a new identity. It's a new something that I have to deal with. And so in that process, you lose the sight of not like you, you like using yourself more, like as an example almost. So I was looking at my old self, and I'm like, like. She's gone. So now, but how do you even explain that to somebody? So now, coming from this perspective, like, I couldn't even, like, put words words to it. So, like, I'm somebody that's, like, alive, but I don't feel alive. Does that make sense? Like, I'm literally alive, but, like, I... Not that I shouldn't, because God makes no mistakes, but I don't feel alive. I don't feel, like, the normal things that... People, like when people feel this or this, I'm, I think about it in a different perspective. And I know it's because I went through stuff. And it's different when you are actually dealing with it. Yeah. Like I can, wallah, 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 wallah. And this is what drives me. Like I can't imagine if my sister or my mom had MS, you guys. Wallah, I will, you saw my reaction. Like I will literally, I don't know. And I'm like, subhanAllah, God gave it to me. Because I would not know how to react if it was just my, if it was my brother, my, I, I wouldn't know how to react. And I look at myself and I'm like, girl, you're the one that's doing it to them though, you know? So it's like, it's it's such a yin-yang, bro. It's so crazy. Because you're the one that you're like, okay, thank God it happened to me. But then they'll never understand why it happened to you. So you're like... Yeah. I mean, it's as tough. a parent, you know, being in a parent perspective, you know, when your kid gets sick, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my God, I wish it was me. It's the worst feeling. You know what I mean? I wish I had the sickness and not, and not my child. I, I, I can, can you imagine what my mom and my dad? Yeah. So it, and people sometimes tend to not know how to, because um, they're not in your position, to not know how to support you being in the position. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you just got to continue to educate them. I be, you know. And here I am, very vocal. I'm a very vocal, outspoken person. I'm not the person that's going to like try to Hide conceal it, yeah. my feelings. or No, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm feeling. And then it's still not enough. So here's somebody that's like, you tell somebody, talk about it. Talk about what you're going through. I'm talking about, I'm doing what I'm supposed, what you guys said to do, I'm doing it. And it's still not, so yeah, and you're like, what? So you you literally have to find your own, your own special twist to it. You have to find it. And that's something big. So like everything that Dr. Montiero is saying, everything that we're saying, everything that you guys are taking in, like find your own little twist. You don't have to take everything that we're saying. I mean, obviously, these are all of our personal experiences, but we're all sharing our personal experiences so you can find your ailment, the thing that's happening in your life, and putting your own personal twist to it and how you're going to deal with it because you're not alone. Nobody's alone. Well, there's people that have it worse than you. I'm, I'm guaranteed. Guaranteed there's people that's worse. Have it. If, it, if it wants to make you feel better, you're, I'm talking and I've had a total of 37 plus surgeries in my life in the last two years. Think about that. That's That's insane. That's not, old people don't even get that. And so people have it worse than you. You know what I mean? And so I think that's very important to think about too. Like thinking about, thinking about the people that, that haram, they don't have even, they can't think about how to deal with their grief because something bad just happened again. 
So it's like constant, constant, constant. And we know this. We're from Yemen, you guys. Yeah. Like, we have that word. We know what, what, what just happened a couple of weeks with our Yemeni brother, man. Like, Haram, can you imagine his family? Can you imagine what they're still doing with, with the government, with this, with that? Because they can't. Too much. Too much. So I think it's very important to just, like, be cautious and be aware that you do not be know. Yeah. You do not know what people are going yeah. through. And the most important thing, I think, is sometimes just listening. And I think she she mentioned that. And I think that's very important. Uh, that's something that I, uh, you know, as people that are teachers in, in the education field, they teach us sometimes to just listen to the students. I mean, uh, let me ask you, though, because you're, like, you're a man. And, I mean, and men don't really, they're, when it comes to, like, grief or when it comes to actually, like, talking about stuff that bother them, you guys are not really vocal. You guys don't really have that communication. So, like, for men that are listening and for, like, people that want to, like, exp- that want, they they know that they should, but they don't know how to. How would you advise people to be, like, you know what, like, it's okay, just find somebody that you're comfortable with or like what what are the mechanisms that you did as a man to deal with stuff like i know you sit here and you say listen and you talk about it and it's okay to cry but like are you finding somebody specific to cry to are you doing it like what are, what are you doing because there's so many men that need another man to tell them yo like yeah so i guess to answer the question i think if only they knew how great they feel right after that's what made me continue then, like, once I actually did it right. and had that conversation. And, uh, you know, obviously my wife is the person that I kind of talk to the most. But a lot of the times it's just me by myself. Right. Me and, you know, talking to Allah, you know, and, and hopefully uh, going from there and seeing how, like, you know. And it still feels great. It still feels great. And, and to letting your emotions go, it, it feels amazing. Like, I think people don't realize that. I was talking to my barber, Aaron Brock. You know, he was starting, like, a little uh, barbershop, you know, conversations with people. And he was saying, like, you do not know how many guys were coming up to me afterwards and saying, like, how great they felt, that they were letting some stuff off their chest. And they were holding it in for years, not just for weeks, months, years. People have held their feelings towards something, their thoughts towards something for a very long time. And like you said, it's very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. We could sit here and talk about the science behind it. I'm going to sit here and talk about the reality of it, which mm-hmm. is you just feel amazing. You feel like if you even just have a listening ear, which I was trying to get it at, basically, is if you just have somebody that can just listen. And uh, it all depends on what the situation is, too. You know, mm-hmm. that's all depends on who I talk to. Obviously, if you have a good, close friend, or you can even start groups, man. You'll be surprised how many guys it's out there are in the same situation as you. And if you guys can talk about it, the problem is people are afraid to do that. People are afraid to talk about any issues that they have. or Being any, vulnerable is being, very... Yeah, but people don't realize. And I watched a video on this, Ms. Njiku. Uh, shout out to Ms. Njiku, Hanley International Academy. Uh, but she told us that the biggest trait, that one of the biggest, best traits of leadership is vulnerability. Oh. You know, showing people, like, people are going to see you. If you're the principal of the school, you're doing all this stuff, you're invincible. Mm-hmm. But when you show people that you're vulnerable, that's when they follow. Because then they, they, they got the element of understanding and actually human element. Because mm-hmm. people look at you like, dude, this person is Superman or Superwoman. She's Wonder Woman. You know, she's doing all these things. And then they see you cry or they see you have a hard day and saying, like, I'm having a hard day. Please forgive me. You know, like, that's when people are going to be like, you know what? They're actually human, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow this person, and that's what you know. That's what I feel like. I think it's important to being vulnerable is very important. Yeah. So, like, I think I think the biggest thing when I started going like public with everything that I was going through, I wanted to share 
the imperfections because that's what brings people together. So this whole notion of like flaunt, everything is good and you're not, you don't have anything wrong. So only show your nice stuff. Only, your nobody can come over unless the house is clean or or you don't talk about yourself unless it's good grades or you graduate. Like you don't talk about the bad stuff. You only talk about the good stuff. To this day, I'm doing everything in my power to break that, to show people that it's okay to be vulnerable. And that's where it stems off of because, yeah, it's it's a good thing to show leadership and I don't mind being the person that throws myself under the bus to make other people comfortable. And and, and it works. Like, well, Adim, like, I mean, you don't understand. Like, when you told me months ago, you're just going out there and you're just talking about you and how what you go through, you gave me the confidence to 100%. come out and talk. And then when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, Shayma, you're doing something. Yeah, You're doing something. And these little, little tiny things, like, this is, you're making people okay with being vulnerable. You don't want them to be out here saying, oh, I have a medical condition, da, 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 da. That's how you were able to say it. But you don't, they don't need to be putting out their business, their sauce out here on the streets. Like, nobody needs that. But the fact that it's, it's, it's reflecting in a way where somebody's showing their true leadership because they found the vulnerability through me, like, you know, and that's my problem though. But Haram, like, why, why do, why do people, in my perspective, now I, like, I'm, I'm singular. Now I look weird. Now that I, I speak about the, my problems and my issues or what I go through, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo, but I love it. You know, the weird. It's the best thing being the black sheep, you guys. I love being a black sheep, but yeah. it comes with. I mean, that's how it that. starts. That's how. That's how. Uh, you know, you're gonna have to be the trailblazer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't want to, yeah. you know, but you're the, you're basically the trailblazer. No, at and, this point, and 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 to me, like I, I take that I take every single role that I t- I have, I take it with dignity, and I mean, you guys could see I would I do everything with too much passion. But my thing is like what what saddens me so much is when people don't understand what you're going through or why you're doing it, and they feel the need that they can give a commentary on it, and that commentary will make that person literally, literally, literally grief. Like, you're, you're causing them so much pain. Like, well, you guys, I had somebody in my DMs, so I don't check my requests anymore. But I had somebody in my DMs tell they they named me, but they named me the pit in hell where I'm going to reside. That's what they told me. They said, because of what I post on Instagram, that I there's a spot in hell in the pit of that I'm going to be residing there. Somebody else told me that the stuff that are happening in Gaza, the stuff that are happening in Gaza, is my fault that I'm the I'm the I'm the believer that's causing so much sins that what's happening in Gaza is accustomed to what I'm doing. Like, how like, are you gonna put that on somebody? You see what I'm saying, though. Yeah. So there's no more rahma in this world. And then you tell somebody that be the trailblazer. I'm like, okay, I will. But you know, you know what happens when you're the trailblazer? You deal with stuff and like again, that. Yeah. yeah. You know how hard that stuff is. It is, and that's what stops a lot of people from being public. Yeah. Is that negative? You know, yeah, yeah, and I remember him sure. telling me like when when I wanted to you know start talking and start being in like the public eye, he was like, you know, you got to be ready for for you know the the negative stuff. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you oh know my what? god, me and Ahmad, we would have months and months of meetings because we were trying to how we we're gonna uh, st- strategize what we were gonna do with the hate or what we we're gonna do with people if they're gonna mm-hmm. talk. Or, we were, it's such a big thing that we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different part of the cycle of grief. And that's what's so like. We need to talk about it all. Yeah, that's a you whole know another, that's a whole another issue. Uh, but like yeah. every single thing is a dimension of this process. And if if we're not dealing with every single ailment in this process, we're not getting nowhere. If you make this side perfect, and you're forgetting this side, your triangle's falling apart. So, just go ahead. I think the whole lesson behind this is that 
let people be themselves. Work on yourself. Focus on yourself. Be true to who you are. Don't worry about nobody else. Because everybody, this is what I tell my first graders, you guys. You're in charge of yourself. And I feel like I need to tell the world, you're in charge of yourself. If people aren't being happy, leave them alone. If people are being sad and they're not reaching out to you for your help, leave them alone. Just let people be. Life is too short to be focusing on other people. Water your own garden. Mm Mm-hmm. Period. You know, you know what? And then also, I mean, and I also want to make this very, very important, though. If you have that type of heart where you genuinely care about people's well-being, and I'm this type, I'm this person, 100%, and I can see somebody going through it, don't be afraid to ask them if, if they need anything. Or if there's, like, you know how many people, I won't, I'm not a texter. I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible texter. But yeah, there'll, be, too. there'll be so many random times where I'm like, you know what? I know this person went through through something, and I'm just going to text them make sure they're good. So I'll send them a little chat like, hey, uh, I know you don't really like this, but I'm just checking in on you. It's whatever. If they don't respond, who cares? Who cares? Mm-hmm. You're doing it in qalbish. You're doing it from your, the bottom of your heart. You're not doing it for satisfaction. So you're doing it because you, you genuinely care. Nobody's going to take away from your identity. But also, don't get upset, just like how Abir said. Don't get upset if they want their own space and they're not responding or if they're in their own their own zone because you're not entitled to you're not them. entitled. Do not stop taking things personally. And yes. that's actually another great conversation that we need to talk about. Yeah. That's a great one. We not taking things personally. Yeah. All right, we'll get you out those down after we finish this show uh, to talk about a few next couple of weeks topics, but um, at this time I I did I did want to give a shout out. I know we're in the middle of this conversation, but I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Um, BC Adhesives is the first one. Uh, shout out to BC Adhesives, 4655 West Oakwood Park Drive, Franklin, Wisconsin. Their number is 188-679-9825. You are sponsoring all the shows, um, the Fantasy Guys, Movement, and Table Talk. Uh, BC Adhesives, you know, you go to them for all your industrial adhesives needs. You know, they do book binding, you know, food packaging, and like I said, all of your industrial needs, you know, I appreciate the guys over there at BC Adhesives, Matt Cassidy, uh, Terry Cassidy. You got Ed and Jake over there. Uh, thank you guys for your sponsorship. You know, people out in Wisconsin giving uh, sponsorship to a guy out here in the Metro Detroit area. So thank you so much to those guys. They're like family out there in Wisconsin. Really do appreciate them. The Packers just smacked the Lions, by the way. We were texting yesterday. Um, so just kind of going back now to the original. What else is new? Yeah, <laughs> nothing is new about that. Uh, so kind of going back now, um, the next question that I had, and we kind of talked about this, so we kind of maybe could her, her answer, then we can move on to number five. And that is basically how the closest family members and friends deal with grief. So we're going to hear Dr. Montiero, for those of you that are tuning in. Dr. Montiero, is, uh, she is speaking on this question as well, so please feel free to uh, hear her out on how do her closest family members and friends, and somebody that's in the field, how she hears people deal with grief. How do our closest family members and friends tend to deal with grief? Um, I think it's the same thing, right? I think the key thing is it depends on the person. Sometimes our it's harder, it can be harder for us to be there for the people we're closest to because we might feel uncomfortable seeing them in pain, right? We might feel uncomfortable, we might see a side of them We might be used to them being the strong one or the one that never cries. And I think what's most important is to give them the space and let them know it's okay. I'm here for you. You can can express or show those feelings that you have. I'm not judging you. I'm not expecting anything from you, right? So we can be modeling or showing for them compassion. That is just so important. 
compassion for what this process is like. Um, and that again, it's a process. It's not a one or done. It's not a checklist that you can say, okay, what stage are you in, right? Especially if it's a close loved one. Now I'll go back to when uh, the question about the different types of grief. There's something that we call ambiguous loss. That's where you feel like you lost something, but it's not really acknowledged by other people. So a lot of times, um, or it's not, it doesn't feel like it's concrete, right? So when people are displaced and they have to leave either their home or their country or their state or their locality and relocate, it can feel like a huge loss, not just because they lost their home or their job, but it's a whole, their environment, what they're used to. And they can't always put that into words, right? So that can feel like something that can, um, be really difficult for a person to to come to terms with or to really deal with. And so it's really important sometimes that we just give space and we're there with um, compassion for someone and that we not question their loss, right? Sometimes people say, well, that person wasn't that close to you or that wasn't a big deal, right? That's the opposite of what we want to do. We really want to um, recognize that every person has their own experience of grief and that we cannot, no one else can judge how they should be feeling in regards to how close or not the person was or how significant or insignificant you feel that someone else's loss is, okay? Um, All right, so that kind of answers the question of how do closest family, family and friends deal with grief. I bet I'm going to let you kind of touch on that a little bit more. Uh, how do people you know deal with grief, you know, the people that you're close with? Um, people, everyone deals with it differently. How does our family deal with grief, Abid? How about that? Let's well, start off with that. you know, I feel like we have this, um, well, you know, we like to stay busy. You know what I'm saying? We like to avoid the topic. I feel like we're not, we're not really talk, like, talking about our feelings. Like, we're just not like that. We're not. We're always like, you know, you good? You good? We're good. You know, like, what are you doing today? Like, oh, I got this going on. Da -da -da. No one stops us. How are you really feeling? We're not like that. And we need to, you know, I feel like we need to get better with that. Mm -hmm. But it's even hard when you're not used to talking about it mm -hmm. to even to know where to start to talk about it. Like, you just don't know. We kind of like feel the situation out, but we still have a lot of work. So we're not perfect. We're not saying that we're perfect at all. Like, we're just, you know, we're, we're like a normal family, you know? Um, so everybody handles it differently. Like I see my sister, like my mom, she loved having people over. She wanted people over every day. Like to her, it made her, you know, forget for me. I'm just like, they're coming over again. Like it should be only yeah. as much days. Like I'm like the opposite where, and then I see like, you know, Sada is very, um, talkative and she'll talk more and she'll like, she's able to, you know, express more. And then you have Shema who's like a little bit more quiet and like reserved. And like, I feel like she was going through it. I feel like she had yeah. a hard decision because she was getting married. Right. Right. And a lot of people at that time wanted to share their thoughts on what we should do. And I felt like that they did not give us enough time to grieve. They did not respect our opinions. They did not, like, whatever. So long story short, um, I'm supposed to say how our family grieves. Everybody grieves differently. The only thing that I would not like people to do is that the way you grieved when your parent? Like I had people, we had people tell us when you know my blah 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 died. We had a wedding right after, and you know whatever. That's you. That's not us. You know what I'm saying? Like don't don't compare 
a lot of people compare when they grieve. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to be this way because this they were like that. Or they did that, so we have to do that. No, everyone is different. And I feel like uh, we all grieve differently. And I think we all gave each other the space to grieve differently, like, within our household. And, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think I went kind of far with that. But, you know, let me just go back to my corner here. And, yeah. <laughs> so, how do people you know grieve with different situations? So I really have to put people on blast? No, I no, mean, you I have to get specific. I, yeah, I hate the azim. The people that I know... Oh, that's actually... The azim irritates the crap. No, the no, wailing, no. the I'll hitting, tell, the I'll stuff like that's haram. Okay, no, it's... Crying, okay. Is, crying is, is when normal. When you take... Yeah, but when you take... And again, it's different type of grief. But I'm going to talk about it from my ailments, right? So, like, let's say I'm having surgery, Okay. And I'll hear a specific family member and be like, yo, no. my daughter or my granddaughter or my niece or my cousin or whatever, she's having this. And it's like, you're doing the most. Like, you're literally using my suffering to give you some type of attention. Yeah. You know? So that's, we talk about how everybody has. They make it about them. Yeah. Let's we talk about how give your people their space if they're grieving the way that they want to grieve, right? But what happens when their grief affects you? Like when when somebody uses your grief to like, but it's yours for them because they have the reason. Like, well, like don't get me wrong. Like I love it when people be like, oh yeah. Like, oh, this, this, she, she has, she, I know Shima, she has this, mashallah, she's strong, she's this, 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 I'm like, you never, ever, 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 ever have ever asked me if I'm okay. So what gives you the, the, the audacity to use my story to give you attention that you are affiliated because you can use a strength story now? And that's what I feel like it became. I become, I, I feel like a lot of the, the, the real life struggles that people go through, now it became like, they're like, oh, you don't know what I've been through. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. I've been through the... It's like, we've all been through something. You know what I mean? So it's like, calm the heck down. So I don't like the whole aziyang thing. The whole aziyang, the hitting the head and the wailing and the... I don't like that. Everything else is cool. I mean, the whole space, give it to them, whatever. I'm the same way. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't breathe next to me. I get really irritated. Mm. But at the same time, the whole you using it on my behalf, save it for the birds. Yeah, I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit more, I but think, I, I think know, yeah, I, I think that kind of covered that. And so the whole side story there. <laughs> yeah, so the the final question that we have is tips on how to deal with grief and I guess uh, how to move forward from it. Uh, but just want to give another shout out to my last final sponsor, which is the Balkan House in Chamek. Before we move on to the last one, uh, shout out to Juma Ekic and Hassan over there in the Balkan House, thirty twenty eight Kniff Street, Hamtramck, Michigan. They also have a location in Ferndale, three one four West Nine Mile Road. Their number is three one three two six two six two three four. That was the Hamtramck location one. The Ferndale one is one two four eight two six eight four nine two zero. They even got a truck now. I'm sure you've seen it around town and around the area. The Balkan House. Uh, the food truck that they have. So they're sponsoring all of our shows, by the way. They're famous for their donut kebab sandwich. They even serve breakfast now. And all their food is halal. Um, I don't know if people knew that or not, but everything that they have there and that they serve is halal. Uh, service is A1. You know, we got Hamza from the movement that works there as well. So we got family that's in that building as well. And they always give back to the community. So, again, thank you to Juma. Thank you to Hassan over there. And so... Um, I'm going to let Dr. Montiero answer this final question first, and then we can kind of share our thoughts as well on how to 
deal with grief, uh, tips on how to deal with grief, and then moving forward from it. And I'm going to tune in here because I didn't hear this last answer, and so I'm jotting down, taking notes, just so I could give advice to people, to students, and to anybody else that run into this problem as well. So, Number five, what are some tips on how to deal with grief and how to move forward from it? So what I would say is I, I would not necessarily use the word move on or move forward. I would say how to, to continue living a meaningful life. Okay? So slight change in terminology. But what I would say is recognize that things may be different. Mm-hmm. Recognize that you may go through this process. I saw a great um, meme that showed, like, it's almost like um, you're filling in new holes that have been left by this loss. So you're not going up through stages, but you're kind of filling in pieces gradually as you continue to live your life. And you want to live a life, continue to live a life that's meaningful, where you don't necessarily forget your loved one, but you feel content that you can continue to live your life. You don't have to feel guilty. Most of us, we know that our loved ones would not want us to be in this state of you know, guilt and feeling horrible and not moving uh, moving on with our lives, but that we think of it as like a process that we're going through where we want to continue to um, be able to adjust to a new normal, create a new normal that is meaningful for us, okay? So again, some tips, allow yourself time to rest. Um, Allow yourself to go through the process. Don't stop taking care of yourself. Sleep, eat, Mm. drink water, move your body. Exercise is so powerful. Get outside. When you feel like it, socialize, engage in a hobby, something that allows you to um, focus on something else besides the loss. And be okay with um, memorializing your loved ones. Some people like to write a letter or keep certain pictures up or something that reminds them of their the, of the person or you know of their loss right so allow yourself to to do that the main thing that i would say the number one tip is don't feel always try to make sure you find an outlet you shouldn't always be stuffing down your feelings to where you can't there's no one that you can express how you feel to because that is what will lead to like increased feelings of depression, guilt, confusion, sometimes feeling like you don't even want to live anymore, right? So um, finding outlets and fi- finding a supportive outlet. If you don't have a friend or a family member, it's okay to get professional help. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And ther- as a therapist, I work with so many people through the grieving process. And I'm just an extra support for them as they go through this. Okay, so I hope I've been able to answer your questions. You can always reach out to me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Chad Wellness, C-H-A-D-W-E-L-L-N-E-S. And um, if you have any additional questions, I'll just leave leave you with um, the fact that we know that grief and loss are part of the human condition, part of our existence. And we are so resilient in so many ways. But in order to have that resilience and be able to be strong, we have to also handle ourselves with care and gentleness and allow ourselves um, 
the space to acknowledge our, lo our, our loss, okay? So I hope you all have a great day, and I hope this has been helpful to you. And until next time, I'll see you. This has been Dr. Montero. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu That was wonderful, uh, Dr. Her. Montero. I love her. Uh, that, that was awesome. Uh, and so kind of want to touch on that. Shayman, do you want to add on anything from there? You know, she said a good point about keeping... So let's just... Let me just cut through the BS and then just get to it. Okay. If you're going through something, distract yourself. Simple, point blank. You want to obviously find good distractions, though, right? So that's that's the only issue. So usually when somebody's going through something, you know, it's usually two sides. She obviously gave the good ones where it's like working out, going outside, doing all of those fun, cool stuff. Um... And then you have, the, obviously, the people that you know that end up going to, like, drugs or, like, alcohol or they end up going to, like, habits that they shouldn't be getting themselves into. Whatever you're doing, remember that the whole purpose of life is to actively get to the best version of yourself. And when you do stuff that actively harm you, you're taking away from that. You're not moving. So using stuff like this, you guys, I'm Yemeni, yeah? I don't believe in stuff like this. I am not going to lie to you. Before I was like, oh, that's just like, huh, that's just not really my cup of tea. I'm not going to sit here and like meditate or manifest or this or that or work out. Or, but then you do it. You actually do it because you're so sick of not doing anything or holding it in or not. And then you realize that it does have some type of mental clarity. And you got to remember this. When you do something or when you start something in your life, it's very, not, it's, it's unnatural. It's, it's an unnatural thing to do. You're beginning it. So, like, yes, is it kind of, like, silly when you're telling yourself, like, sit there, breathe, think about absolutely nothing? And you know how hard it is to think about nothing for a second, for, for a long, one minute, think about absolutely nothing. You know how hard that is? So, like, when you tell yourself, like, okay, like, try to, try to build these habits and you're like, what the heck am I doing? This is so weird. So weird. And then you start building it, and then you tell yourself, oh, yeah, you know what? For five minutes of my day, I was not thinking about that thing that was bothering me. And then the next day, you go, oh, I did it for 10 days, or for 10 minutes. And then the next day, you go, oh, I did it for 20 minutes. And you realize that you built something. You built something. And that's how things start. So like how she says, if you're looking at any of the things that Dr. Montiero was saying, like working out, because what that does to your mental is unbelievable. But going outside, taking a breather, um, you know, isolating yourself for a second. Hitta even talking to people sometimes. That's how I work. I, I can't isolate. When I'm going through somebody, I need to talk about it. I need to. I don't care who I'm talking to. I need to let it out. So all of these things, if they're not your cup of tea, but the stuff that you're already doing are not working, Take it from somebody that's been in the shoes of grief. Whatever grief they've been through. They've been through some type of pain. And you can't tell me that I, I, I never went through something. And that's the beauty. That's like, I can't say, oh, I mean, no. You didn't go through grief. Yeah, Allah tests everybody. Everybody. So I can't sit here and be like, no. But if somebody's telling you, like, listen, I, I, I feel what you're going through. And maybe you should, listen, I don't know how you feel about going to the park every morning. But, you know, just sit down, touch the grass, literally feel the grass. And just try to think about absolutely nothing. Nature like, is like the best medicine. And, and it's like when you hear stuff like that, you're either like, eh, okay. Until you experience Until it. you do it. Because that person... They did it because nothing else worked anymore. So start looking at these stuff because if you're looking at like a, I need a last resort, this is the last resort. This is literally what we're talking about now. If you're at this stage where you, there's nothing working anymore, are you working out? Are you eating right? Are you sleeping right? Are you doing all of this? If you're not, there's a problem. We need to work on it because that's what's going to make you f eventually feel better. And that's what I think is very, very important about grief. Those stuff, you can't control. 
There's certain things you cannot control. I cannot control the fact that I just lost my uncle. Mm-hmm. You guys can't control the fact that you guys lost your dad. You know what I mean? But what we can control is what we're doing now. What we're doing actively for our bodies, for our minds, for our spirits right now. And it's like, what are we doing? Are we bettering ourselves? What you guys say, Abed? You want to add on to that? Um, I am so happy. Like, I could just say, take time for yourself. And I'm so happy. Like, um, every year when we sign our contracts at the end of the year and we have days that we roll over, I roll over all my days. You're only allowed to roll over 10. And I would tell... Um, you know, Miss McGregor at the time, I told him, like, I need to save my days just in case something happens to my dad. I used to tell her. Every year, like, I would say, I'm like, I'm saving my days just in case something happens to my dad. And subhanAllah, he passed away in the summer and I didn't have work. So I had the time for myself. I had the Because I, I knew that I needed to be alone, oh, mm-hmm. you know. And I needed to experience nature. And I never knew how nature helped so much until COVID happened and everything mm-hmm. closed down. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie to you, that was grief for me too. Like, mm-hmm. I literally felt like I lost like regular life you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's everybody just Absolutely. like how she was saying too mm-hmm. but we used to take these walks and they used to be the highlight of the day but we don't take the walks anymore what happened troop fitness right yeah. Where, where's eddie where's eddie at he's actually busy right now winning a championship hopefully in basketball right now oh well good luck you know i love you <laughs> anyways uh yeah so you know that helped a lot and um so just take time for yourself um, focus on what you need. Don't worry about other people, what they're going to think, what they're going to say, what they're... Just don't think about no one. Be selfish at that moment. Help whatever you're going through, whether it's the loss of a person, a loss of a job, a loss of money, a loss of, you know, um, a relationship, whatever it may be. Do what you need to do. Focus on yourself. And um, it. I'm not going to tell you it's going to get all better. But you're like she said, it's gonna be little holes that you're gonna fill in eventually. And you gotta so. remember that you're ultimately it's your grief, just like how nobody can tell you how to grieve, it's also your grief. So how you're grieving, either the there's consequences to everything in life. Good consequences and bad consequences. So no matter what you're doing, you have to remember that you will be the person that's being held accountable. Yes. Nobody's gonna take nobody can take your grief from you. It's yours. So what you're doing and how you're grieving is up to you. It's up to you to decide. So if you're going to be that person that's like, oh, I'm so sad, leave me alone, this, this, that, that, then that's your grief. That's how you're taking it. All of the consequences come from that. But if you're actively trying to better your life because something happened to yourself and now you're trying to understand the purpose of life, then use it. Use it to better your life. People die. Everybody, people die. We're all going to die. Yeah. Everybody's going to die. That's the one thing Every, that's inevitable. Yeah. Inevitable, we know this. We know this. Okay? And another thing, everybody's going to go through a test in their life. So those are the two things that we know 100%. Mia and Mia, nobody could take them away. And no You're gonna be die. guaranteed. You can lose it in any day. So you just got to be... Take take what you have. Don't take it for granted. Look for the day. Absolutely. You guys... And the thing is, though, everything that we're saying, somewhere down in your it's mind... You know it. Yeah. You know everything that we're saying. You know it somewhere deep in your head. However, the human body, how we work is sometimes we just need to say it again yeah. and again and again out loud so we can start holding each other accountable. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want me to be like, and alhamdulillah, you guys have been great. And I mean, I appreciate you guys, voila. But like, even when I was going through it with my uncle, just just a little like, hey, if you need anything, text me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, even if you don't mean it, you guys, even if you don't mm-hmm. necessarily mean it, like if you're going to be that type of person that's like, okay, like, you know what? I just want to be there for somebody. Hopefully they don't. Just show them love. Show them a little bit of love. You don't, it's not like, it doesn't need to be like a, like a, a, a huge f- facade. No. 
Ihtiram, give him a little bit of respect, a little bit of gratitude, and just move on with your day. That's all That's all the human body needs. So that's all we need. Yeah. We just need a little bit of respect, a little bit of love, and call it a day. Accept our differences. Let yeah. us be. So, but the only thing that I do want to mention is find good, good distractions. And that's going to be the biggest thing to take away from me is keep your mind busy, but keep your mind busy with good stuff. If you don't know what good stuff is, Google it. <laughs> there you go alright well this was an awesome show um, I thought this was another great conversation at Table Talk this is what we do over here uh, we have good conversations and uh, it's a lot of fun and, and very knowledgeable too that's why I put this in the category of education under YouTube because I have a feeling it's going to be educating people <laughs> so for those of you that are watching or will eventually be watching uh, this is Shayma Ghalib Umar Thabi here Ibar Thabi is in the building AKA as well Big Sis AKA Big Sis <laughs> OT and Shay and uh, yeah like I said we go live on YouTube Oz Media 313 as well as Apple and Spotify podcast at the end of the day that's where you can watch it. Let's give Dr. Montiero another shout out. Her yes. Instagram is Chad Wellness. Um, check her out. She does TikTok. She does. She posts all the time. She's great. She's somebody that I look up to whenever I'm going through it. A little funk. I mean, I just literally go on her TikTok and see what she got to say. She gives out tips all the time. I mean, I love it. I'm here for yeah. it. Yeah, she's 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 just she's an amazing person, and she's a resource for us all. There you go. And I uh, just want to also say thank you to the sponsors, the Balkan House and BC Adhesives. We will see you all again next week, 7 o'clock, same time. Hope you all have a great one.